Andrew Wheeler, the head of the United States Environmental Protection Agency, has canceled his planned trip to Taiwan. His arrival was scheduled for next week, and he would have been the latest of several high-level American officials to visit Taiwan. Taiwan's foreign minister, who confirmed the cancellation on Wednesday, said the EPA did not provide a reason for the change of plans. But according to the U.S. media outlet Bloomberg, the trip was called off after public scrutiny on its high cost. The intelligence chief of the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command has just concluded a low-key three-day visit, according to local sources. On Wednesday, as Taiwan looked ahead to the arrival of another U.S. official, news arrived that the planned trip was off. We have received notice from the United States that, due to changes in his schedule, the head of the U.S. EPA, Mr. Wheeler, will not be able to come to Taiwan before the end of the year. We, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, very much regret this. That is all the information we have been given. In the end, the head of the U.S. EPA has been unable to make his planned trip. We respect that, and we also feel that it's a pity. However, the cooperation between Taiwan and the United States on various issues, as well as the promotion of bilateral exchanges, will continue on both sides. Taiwan's government confirmed the news, but said little on the cause of the sudden cancellation. In a report by the U.S. media outlet Bloomberg, EPA spokesman James Hewitt said in an email that the trip was postponed due to pressing domestic priorities at home. Bloomberg also noted that the visit would have drawn anger from Beijing. According to the New York Times, the planned trip raised concerns about its high price tag, particularly at a time when Trump was in caretaker mode. In response to the New York Times report, the U.S. EPA said it would investigate how details on the trip were leaked to the press. It could have been canceled because of that media exposure. Because the U.S. is in a state of transition, the report may have fueled great speculation. We respect any decision they make. This is an internal affair of the United States. The cancellation of the trip, I believe, will not be an ending, but a beginning. In the U.S., there might be some views against this Taiwan trip taking place at a time when Trump is about to hand over power to Biden. For the government, the most important thing now is to prepare for the future of Taiwan-U.S. relations. Wheeler was originally scheduled to visit Taiwan for three days next week. His canceled trip could reflect changes in Washington as the White House prepares for a new administration. Now turning to the ongoing drought. The government has announced more irrigation cuts to cope with the worsening crisis. In southwestern Taiwan, irrigation will be halted for the first rice crop season of 2021, which lasts from February to June. Farmers will get compensation of up to 93,000 NT per hectare. Irrigation has already been suspended in Taoyuan, Xinzhu and Miaoli. The measure may be extended into next year, depending on rain conditions in December. And starting Wednesday at 11 p.m., nighttime water restrictions will be tightened in areas placed on a yellow alert. Every night, water pressure will be lowered for eight hours instead of six. Affected areas include New Taipei's Linko District, Taoyuan, Xinzhu, Miaoli, Taichung, Zhanghua, Jiayi, and Tainan. This month, Taipei will host its very first Open House, a global architecture festival that was founded in London. On November 28th and 29th, locals can tour 73 architectural jams or spaces that are usually closed to the public.
Formosa News reporter Stephanie Yang got a sneak peek behind the curtain. We're currently at the Taipei Operation Control Center. It'll be one of the 73 sites available to the public during the Taipei Open House Festival. Staff sit behind control desks, peering into large monitor displays in front of them. This is a Taipei Metro Operation Control Center, which keeps trains and commuters moving smoothly. The inner workings of this room are rarely seen, but it will be open to the public free of charge during open house Taipei. For people who visit, we will have 27 tours that run for 30 minutes each on November 28th and 29th. There will be dedicated tour guides. We'll show the public our viewing station. We will introduce the layout of the space and the control desks and the usual tasks conducted by the staff. Another site in the festival is this hotel, a former mansion. It's one of 73 spaces curated by festival head Victor Wu over 20 months. So at the very beginning, uh, we, we use kind of like a, the, the building typology to decide what kind of sites we are going to open. But actually because this is actually the first year, first open house Taipei event in Taiwan, so um, space owners are actually um, kind of curious about what kind of impact they will have during this event. So in the end, um, we decided to have kind of like a scope of introducing what really established the daily life of Taipei. So we crossed like a huge wide spectrum from private-owned housing all the way to public government-owned places. Wu holds a master's in landscape architecture from Harvard University. Seeing the beauty of Taipei's architecture, he decided to bring the open house concept to Taiwan. The reason why I want to bring it to Taipei is because um, I had the experience of working in London, and during that period, uh, my studio was actually one of the open sites. So. Um, I actually witnessed how this event impacted the whole city and the visitors can truly experience the amazing spaces which that usually they couldn't visit. So um, I think Taipei has the potential to, to open up all the private spaces and allow visitors to come into the spaces and interact with the space owner. During open house Taipei, you can peek into spaces that are usually closed to the public. They include the backstage of National Theatre and Concert Hall, a hotel swanky presidential suite, and the Judicial Yuan. About half the spaces require online reservation. Uh, we have 73 open sites in general, and uh, for around like uh, 40 of them, People have to book it in advance, but for other around like like the rest 33, 33 to 48 sites, people can actually um, just queue outside the space, and also they can even even though they they didn't book in advance, they still have chance to visit the space just queue outside. At the sites, there will be activities and tours that allow visitors to better understand the space and the people who own it. How do you make the most of the festival? Wu has some pointers. Um, a lot of visitors, they ask it whether or not they can uh, finish all 73 sites in a row, but that's not going to happen because I think in general, from my experience, it's better to have around like three sites uh, from, from the list and also have kind of like two backup sites. 
So um, you can have enough time and like quality visit experience during two days. So for the recommended tour, I would say um, it actually depends on uh, what kind of what kind of interest you have for the space. So for example, if you are more interested in historical sites, you can visit like Songyan, you can visit like Kongzong. Open House is an annual international event, but this year, due to the pandemic, Taipei and Zurich are the only two cities to hold an open house event in a physical format. I think it's also because of the pandemic, so uh, most of the Taiwanese, they put their focus back into Taiwan. So they they begin to to uh, rediscover like the, the real context of Taipei. So I think this is kind of like a re really good opportunity for them to to re know or revisit some of the spaces that they 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 thought they they really understand. Wu, who's financing the festival out of pocket, plans to hold Open House Taipei for at least three years. Next year's festival will include sites like recycling stations to let people explore the concepts of recycling and reuse. In the third year, Open House Taipei will showcase sites that reflect the pandemic's impact on life in Taipei. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Wudong Mao in Taipei. Taiwan's investigation agency for transport accidents has completed its probe into the Nanfang Ao bridge collapse. The bridge had caved into a harbor last October, killing six and injuring 13. After a one-year investigation, the agency concluded that one reason for the collapse was cable corrosion. Another cause was negligence. According to the report, the bridge was long overdue for a safety inspection at the time of the accident. On October 1st of last year, a steel single-arch bridge collapsed into an Elan harbor. One year later, the Transportation Safety Board has released a full incident investigation report. A possible cause for the accident includes severe corrosion in the steel strands, such that made the bridge unable to bear the load of a passing truck. The steel strands had long-term exposure to a saltwater environment, leading to serious corrosion. The effective cross-sectional area of the suspension cables was down to some 22 to 27 percent. That is the primary cause. According to the board's report, the bridge's proximity to the ocean exposed it to chloride salt and humidity, which eroded the waterproofing of its suspension cables over time. Water accumulation compounded the rusting of the bridge. The report found that in the 21 years since the bridge's completion, it had gone through just seven inspections, all of which were visual only. The bridge had not been inspected in the three years and seven months before its collapse. From 2001 to 2016, seven routine inspections were conducted. These were mainly visual inspections. After April 18, 2016, the bridge was not inspected again. What had deteriorated was the waterproofing material. It looks a bit like the silicone rubber people are familiar with. It's material for waterproofing. If routine inspections had been conducted, the deterioration would have been noticed by the naked eye. The collapse of Nanfang Ao Bridge led to injuries and the loss of life. The board identified 12 findings pertaining to bridge accident risk, as well as six safety recommendations. The report will be distributed to bridge management authorities nationwide in the bid to prevent another tragedy.
Taiwan will soon have a 100% electrified railway system. The state-owned rail operator says it's finishing up work on the last stretch between Fangliao Township in Pingdong and Taidong's Zhiben Station. The newly electrified section will be ready on December 23rd, and there will be fair discounts to celebrate the launch. After it opens, it won't only shorten the travel time from Taidong to Kaohsiung by 20 minutes. We will also have newer carriages, new trains to ride. This will vastly improve the quality of our transportation. For any designated train and regardless of the line you're booking, you can enjoy a 50% fare discount. We're hoping to drive tourist traffic to get them to take these trains. Fares for designated trains will be half price for 12 days, starting from December 23rd. You'll get a discount for any train that passes through the new fully electrified South Link line, which runs from Pingdong to Taidong. A dog adopted by a Kaohsiung police station has found fans across Taiwan after starring in a set of instant messaging stickers. Xiao Hei turned up at the station in downtown Kaohsiung more than a decade ago and became a vital part of the team. Her colleagues say now that she's getting on in dog years, every day is precious. The star of this cute sticker series relaxes at home in a police station. It's more than 10 years since Xiao Hei turned up unannounced at Kaohsiung Dreaming Road Police Station and became a precious member of the team. Officer Ling Hongming assembled candid shots of the pooch to create two sets of stickers for line. Interacting with Xiao Hei is not like with normal pet dogs or wild dogs. She's really got spirit. She understands a bit about our work. She knows when we clock on and off, and she comes out on our rounds with us, or she guards the reception desk. Xiao Hei's stickers instantly found a following. The funds raised have been put toward her favorite dried jerky and tins of dog food. Xiao Hei got hurt once, and we spent some on her medical costs. The rest we spent on tins of food, snacks, or treats. Now 17, Xiao Hei is a granny in dog terms. She recently got a joint problem and needed surgery. Now her team treasures their time with her even more. She's getting older and she's got lots of health issues, like with her bones or some lumps. We're all very worried about her and really treasure every day with her. She was even made of honor at a recent wedding, accompanying her co-worker down the aisle and living up to her role as man's best friend. And as Americans prepare to celebrate Thanksgiving, Taipei restaurants are putting together holiday feasts for expats who long for a taste of home. These offerings range from familiar to strange. Formosa News reporter Stephanie Yang shows us what's cooking. Cut the turkey in half. If you look closely, you'll notice this is no ordinary turkey. This is the culinary marvel known as turducken. Chicken is first stuffed into a whole duck, then stuffed into a whole turkey. This Thanksgiving, Regent Taipei is presenting turducken, a feast enjoyed by the finest of European royalty. really wanted to present something that was more unique and luxurious, so we created this turducken dish. We wanted to give all the expats that are here you know, during the pandemic um, a more unique and innovative choice other than the classic uh, turkey dishes. 
So we expect our revenue to increase about 20% over uh, this month. This impressive trio of birds weighs 7 kilograms. According to the chef, each one takes 7 to 8 hours to prepare. It takes another 3 hours to bake to perfection. The chef says it's his first time making this dish. The first step is to mix the pig's trotter, the chicken talons, and the spices together, then stuff it into a deboned chicken. We have to remove the skin on the muscle. Then we cool it and stuff the chicken into a deboned duck. Then it's baked for three to four hours. Every weekend, kids can make their own DIY hats and bags. To round out the Thanksgiving experience, Regent Taipei is offering a room package that offers holiday-themed DIY fun for the kids. There's also an apple cider vinegar mixology class. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Howard Plaza Hotel is offering a Thanksgiving meal for takeout. This 5-kilogram turkey is stuffed with diced onions, chestnuts, toast and other fillings. Then it's seasoned with pepper spice, salt and salad oil. The turkey is then laid on top of vegetables and baked for 80 minutes. Since the start of sales in November, we've gotten quite a few inquiries. We expect this to drive revenue growth by some 20 to 30 percent. Holiday feasts are good business. Hotels hope to recover pandemic losses while also give Taipei a taste of Thanksgiving. For most news, Stephanie Yang, Huang Yanchen in Taipei. You may have a taste for civet coffee, which is fermented by being partially digested by the small mammal. But it's sometimes criticized for being unhygienic or for the suffering endured by civets in captivity. A Taiwanese research team has found a way to transplant the civet's gut flora straight into raw coffee beans, creating a safe, cruelty-free and delicious alternative. The world's leading coffee guide, Coffee Review, has awarded it top honors. Civet coffee is a pricey indulgence. Whether it's made with civets caught in the wild or bred, the coffee beans are collected partially digested along with the civet's feces. Unless, that is, you transplant the gut flora of the civet straight into coffee beans. This revolutionary method is hailed as more hygienic. You transplant this bacterium into the coffee beans. One bacterium is generally not enough to produce a good flavor. So we had a breakthrough by introducing a whole group of different bacteria together. Civet coffee is loved for its rich and mellow flavor. Yang Chiu-zhong, Yang Deng-ke and their team have used biochemistry to mimic the mechanisms of the civet's digestive tract, producing civet coffee with no direct animal involvement. The brew won an astonishing 93% rating in Coffee Review, making it the highest scoring civet coffee of all time. That proves our biotechnology is way ahead of that of any other country. We just have to cultivate the probiotics. No longer is there a need to breed civets themselves. So we reduce animal abuse and environmental degradation. The team visited Indonesia and Vietnam in its quest to get the bacteria needed for the project. Those bacteria were purified, cultivated and then transplanted into unroasted raw coffee beans. Different strains and fermentation periods produce unique flavors, hints of caramel, chocolate, blueberry and vanilla. Having won top honors in 2016, 2018 and 2019, the brew is one of Taiwan's tastiest innovations. 